playoffs. NBC Sports Chicago, the call as the Sox clinch a berth with a 4-3 win over the Minnesota Twins. The Sox play at Cincinnati tonight at 7-10. The Cubs were off Thursday. Their final home series of the season starts tonight against those same Minnesota Twins at 8-15 Eastern Time. The home of Notre Dame football. 96-1 WSBT South Bend, the sports leader. This is the Leprechaun Lunch with Sean and Sharpley. Oh, yeah! On 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. What is this? We're talking Notre Dame football, the NFL, the Cubs, and more. Oh, yeah, I like this idea. The Leprechaun Lunch. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. With Sean Styers. All you do is dribble. I have to dribble. If I give it to you, you just shoot. And Evan Sharpley. You're a chucker. You chuck? If it's happening in sports. Bumble! We're talking about it. Flag on the play. Now your hosts, Sean Styers and former Irish quarterback, Evan Sharpley. Glad to have you with us on this Friday. Leprechaun Lunch with Sean and Sharpley. Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. We're presented by Bud Light Seltzer, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend, urging you to stay safe as we get back on track. And also... One of our sponsors, Legacy Heating and Air. Trust Legacy Heating and Air for all your heating, cooling, and now plumbing needs. Visit them at LegacyHeatingAndAir.com. We might be needing to uh, turn on that heat here pretty soon, Evan, the way it feels outside today. Yeah, you can give give my boy Tony Cook a call over there at Legacy Heating and Air. That's my guy. All right. All right. Sounds good to me. And, uh, man, it's like... uh, it's the middle of September. There are Septembers. This, you know, when we get to this weekend, where it's still like ninety plus degrees outside, but not today. It feels like a late, cool October day as we get set. I guess maybe that's good for Notre Dame. We've got a team from Florida coming in here this weekend. South Florida coming in. We shall see tomorrow. And of course, we've got the kickoff right here on Sports Radio ninety six one WSBT. It all starts our game day coverage starts at eight a.m. Tomorrow with a replay of the Brian Kelly Show, which made its debut last night. And then from 9 to 11, we've got Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. They will have a slew of guests with them. From 11 to 1.30, Game Day Sports Beat with Darren Pritchett I might, and I. I might be on that show. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. It's, TB, it's TBD right now. Okay. I was going to say, are you, are you like being... Push to the back of the green room, like you know. No, you're... it's just you know. I mean, I'm you know, I'm on call all the time. You know, I'm ready to go. Okay, but we'll just all right. It'll de- we'll see. So all right. Li- listen, here's the thing though: is uh, just everyone that's listening right now, you need to listen to the game day show tomorrow because if I'm on it, you obviously want to be tuned in. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay, that's right. So be tuning in anytime between nine and eleven. You could hear from. My co-host, Evan Sharpley, we shall see, I guess, <laughs> tomorrow. One thirty is the network pregame. 2.30 is kickoff between Notre Dame and South Florida. Then about 6 o'clock tomorrow night, postgame show with Reggie Brooks and I. And we found out last week that they're getting Brian Kelly on his postgame Zoom conference in a lot uh, sooner this year. At least they did last week anyway. So uh, comments from Brian Kelly Came early last week. Comments from some Notre Dame players came early last week. So that is what our game day looks like tomorrow from 8 until about 8, about 12 hours or so of coverage tomorrow 
here on WSBT, and it could include Evan Sharpley at some point. So you got that to look forward to. A lot of stuff to get to today, including some of Evan's thoughts on what we saw last week in the opener against Duke. I wanted to start, though, Evan, this uh, this story popped up from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, yesterday in the middle of sports beat, and Darren Pritchett and I touched on it a little bit. Phil Jerkovic, of course, transferred to Boston College and still don't know if he's going to be the starting quarterback for BC. They haven't announced that yet. And BC tomorrow will kick off its season against Notre Dame's first opponent, Duke. That's who uh, Boston College is going to be playing. We don't even tomorrow. know if he's starting yet? We don't. I mean, I can't imagine that he's not, but yeah, they they have not announced it. They've got a new head coach, and you know, kind of sounds like pulling a Harbaugh and waiting until the last minute to announce everybody. So, so mysterious. I don't know. I know. So here are here's some quotes from this story in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and I want to bounce them off you. See what you think. Near the end at Notre Dame, I was. This is from. Phil Jerkovic, quote, near the end at Notre Dame, I was really not liking football. I lost my love for it. I really did, said Jerkovic. I brought up to my family about switching positions and not even playing quarterback. I wanted to make it work. I didn't want to be one of those guys when things get hard, they transfer and run away from it. But talking with my family, I had to leave. And after I decided to leave... It was very hard. You understand that you're leaving your dream school, the team you always watched growing up, but I didn't really know what Notre Dame was like. I committed to the dream of Notre Dame and not everything else. I was going to eventually play at Notre Dame. I wasn't going to go my whole career and not play, but really... The main reason why I left was the frustration of not progressing. I knew coming out of high school, I needed to go somewhere and develop. I thought Notre Dame was the place. I think I developed in a lot of ways. But in quarterback play, I think I regressed in certain areas over time. It was incredibly frustrating. At times, it got to the point where I could not even throw the ball at all. My footwork was all jacked up. And that is from Phil Jerkovic. And he says, you know, reading, again, this is this next part is not a quote from him. It is uh, part of the story in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Jerkovic believes he went backward as a quarterback under coach Brian Kelly and then offensive coordinator Chip Long, who left Notre Dame last season and is now an assistant at Tennessee. Long wasn't at Notre Dame when the Fighting Irish recruited Jerkovic, who made a verbal commitment during his sophomore year. So, Evan Sharpley who you know had at least a you know a similar situation at Notre Dame you're 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 a backup to Jimmy Clausen and and you're you know and, and Brady Quinn before that you're 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 fighting for playing time and all that you didn't have the mechanical issues like Phil Jerkovic did but you know having been someone kind that's of for sure in the yeah that's that's exactly right so I mean we've seen some of Phil Jerkovic's mechanics we've talked at times when he was still here about his mechanics so just some of your thoughts when you see and hear some of those quotes from the former Notre Dame quarterback who now at BC. There's a yeah. There's a lot to unpack there, Sean. And um, you know, I, I hear some of the things that he's saying, and I can I can put myself in those shoes too. I mean, um, you know, I, I, fortunately, you know, I had I had developed quite a bit and was pretty pure as far as the way I was throwing the football. I think that there were, you know, coming out of high school, 
there were a lot of people and 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 it sounds like phil himself saying that you know there are aspects that he needed to work on whether it was his footwork or something that had to do with some of his mechanics um but you know i arrived at notre dame thinking that and my assumption was it was going to kind of be this you know every day i was gonna i was gonna be under the tutelage of whatever coach i was working with to to get better and what i found was and this is probably across the board at pretty much every school is there's still a lot of lonely time you know there's a lot of lonely time in high school um if you have aspirations of playing um at the college level uh and then when you get there there was a lot of lonely time too so it took me a couple of years Where, you know, where I, I really had to kind of dial in what I was going to do personally to make sure that I was getting better. Um, and I had to I had to make some, um, uh, you know, there was it, it wasn't I couldn't wait around for other people to help, um, you know, develop certain aspects of my game. So I took it upon myself to do those things. Um, and, and I think for some athletes, when they come to that realization, you know, maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. And I, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I consider transferring, you know, going into my um, junior year and even throughout that year, you know, you looked at maybe schools or some schools that were on like trimesters where I could have left three games into a season. Um, but I had been there for so, you know, so long, I had put a lot of hard work into the academic side as well, where I felt like I owed it to myself to stay there. But, you know, and listening to what he said, you know, you don't want to be that guy that packs up and leaves. Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy either. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking at a position switch um, like he was. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you don't want to be pegged as someone who's given up on the program. Yeah. Uh, but you also want to play. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the right. thing. Is that at the quarterback position, there's only one dude that's out there on the field. You know, it's not like on the offensive line or defensive line, but let's say offensive line, you know, there's four or five guys out there, five guys out there where maybe you can go somewhere or switch position there where that happens. The quarterback position, it's you're either the guy or you're not. Um, and, uh, you know, for him, I think it was it took a lot of guts for him to make that move. Um, especially being that it was his dream school uh, to to kind of pull the plug on that and then go somewhere else. Because even if you go somewhere else, it's not guaranteed that you're going to be the guy. We don't know that he's going to be the guy. you got to uh -huh. assume that he's probably going to be. Uh, but even so, you could make that switch and not be the guy. Um, and then, of course, then you are probably second-guessing yourself even more. So I can I can really feel for what he experienced. If, I, if we're speaking towards the side of player development, um, you know, I think, you know, fans are probably it's easy to point the finger at the coaching staff and saying these guys didn't get better. But we've talked about that a lot on this show, Sean, um, that, again, you don't have a lot of time to do that. You know, once you get to the college level, there's a reason why you're recruited. Um, you're, you're probably pretty good in high school to start. And then once you get there, a lot of it is spent on um, – winning football games <laughs> not yeah. necessarily okay we're going to spend an hour of practice every day on you trying to fix this this and this right. it usually is what what you have when you get there is what we're going to work with you know your skill set is kind of what you have um the disappointing thing i think is that you know phil felt that he digressed brand winbush probably felt the same thing as well mm -hmm. um so that's certainly disconcerting where guys don't feel like maybe they are 
blossoming. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think it is hard to, you know, to, to fix things if, if there is, in fact, something that possibly is, I guess, quote unquote, broken once you arrive to campus. Yeah. And I mean, we spent a lot of time during the, the, the kind of Brandon Wimbush before Ian Book became the quarterback talking about his mechanics and all that stuff. And and it, not that Phil Dracovic was an exact carbon copy of, of the same kind of things, but they both had mechanical issues and it, and it and it seems like for what chip long was looking for they needed to get that sort of in line with how chip long wanted it before they could get on the field and, and ultimately just like when you listen to phil Jerkovic's comments it sounds like a guy who was just twisted in knots trying to figure out exactly what was supposed to go where and just well, it, well sean and i you know you and i discussed this too both with winbush and with Jerkovic is I think at that point is it's more detrimental to exactly you know, to to try to say hey something is wrong let's fix it it's how can we just accentuate what you already bring to the table you know a guy like Phil you turn on his high school tape super physical good athlete um, he's not maybe necessarily like a pure passer but man he has a strong arm right mm-hmm. and he probably is going to be able to be a part of the run game too you know with Winbush. I mean, he broke. How many records did he break running the football? Yeah. And then it was, we've got to make you a pocket passer in you in in your second year as a starter, and it didn't right. work because you're trying to fit, you know, a, a square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've got to what you've got to do is say, hey, here's what we have. Let's try to build around what what you do have and accentuate. Yeah, you can polish areas and aspects and okay, we're going to work on this part that maybe isn't your strongest, but but let's really focus on what you do well uh, to make our team better. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, again, so Phil Dracovic, we don't know that he'll be the starting quarterback for BC tomorrow, but there was a lot of effort by Boston College to get him that that immediate transfer waiver and get him eligible this fall. They've got that, so I would be shocked if he's not the starter, but I don't know what, what, what else they've got going there at quarterback. But again, they will kick off their season at noon tomorrow against Notre Dame's opponent from last week, Duke. So at the very least, I'm interested to see what that looks like, what Duke looks like, what Jakovic looks like, and Notre Dame and Boston College will play later in the season as well. So again, if you want to find that article, it's in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can find that online. Okay, so before we get into some more Notre Dame talk topics, thoughts on the Big Ten's decision decision to start its football season in late October. They made the announcement this week. Oh boy, here we go. I mean, hey, hey. <laughs> now here we go. Uh-huh. Pat, Pac's having discussions, the Mac now's looking at trying Mac to, wants come, to back. come back. Mac attack. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you're looking at now conferences saying we don't want to be the one that's not playing mm-hmm. when everyone else is. Now, it's going to get really interesting, Sean, now with what's going on because their plan, right, is to play eight regular season games and they're going to have a conference title game. So nine games. And I believe if I saw correctly in the Big Ten, even if you're not part of that conference title game, you're still going to be playing a game that Yeah, day. they're going to do a crossover at the right. end of the season. So, like, still two divisions, unlike the ACC, which went to one division. Yeah, like the first-place team in each division will play second place and so on. So that's an interesting little twist, too. Yeah, so you're going to what? You're going to get nine games. You know, it's it's an interesting twist now in, in this story because, right, we had kind of 
uh, I think, settled on. It was looking like it was going to be what SEC and ACC really as the two primary players. And I think a lot of our discussions were, you know, if even if Notre Dame, right, if, if they split with Clemson this year, you know, maybe they either they win the regular season and lose the postseason or vice versa, you still would think that Notre Dame and Clemson would get in. And, and likely, too, you know, a couple SEC teams, depending on what the Big 12 does, too, you know, you'd at least have, uh, I think, an argument. Uh, to be in based on that. You know, now you add a Big Ten team. I mean, if you're a 9-0 and Ohio State team, you're in, right? I mean, there's there's no way you're not. I mean, That's I, I got to think. I mean, how do you compare How do you compare 9-0 and Big Ten against the ACC's 11-1 and or the Big 12's 10-1 and or, you know, whatever – the you know whatever the the SEC's ten and you know something how how do you compare that when you've got fewer games I I just I don't know it's and and that's I think that's what's going to make this so compelling as the season you know progresses on the Big Ten side is how that plays out um, and I, I think we brought this up there's been there's been talk about it too is you know is it worth is it worth looking at and saying do we need to expand the playoff for this year, um, and and that could that could stay around. I mean, we look at what the Big Ten, or sorry, what Major League Baseball is doing. Right, is they're working to, um, you know, they're working to what they're doing um, a sixteen game or sixteen team playoff where now they may continue to do it. See here, if we're going to do crossover events, how about this crossover? Big Twelve number one versus ACC number two. Big Twelve number two, ACC number one. And then since the SEC and the, and the Big Ten both still have their divisions, you do multiple crossovers there, one versus two across conferences. Boom, there you go. You've got a playoff working already. You work your way toward the championship. What do you think? Yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, again, like you could see theoretically both Notre Dame and Clemson at 11-1 and one, with losses to each other, and then, you know, one of those wins, you know, again, we're doing it theoretically, but one of those wins would be in the conference championship game, but that would mean the other potentially went into that game undefeated, and then you've got an Ohio State team or a Penn State team, because I think it's going to be one of those two that, that end up winning the Big Ten. Ohio State is probably, you know, is, is the favorite, obviously, but then one of those two teams sitting at 9-0 and didn't play that you know played three fewer games. How do you how do you compare that? I just think that you know we talk about style points all the time, and I think that style points are gonna everything is gonna be under the microscope even more with one conference playing less games than the others. Yeah, and what like that conference championship? Like it's they're gonna be the week the week before or week of determining who's playing in the postseason correct if yeah. i if i saw that right yeah exactly yeah and the, the the big tens championship game is going to be like the day before they announce the college football playoff yeah i think so yeah yeah they managed to sneak it all in there just in time and that's that's assuming that they get through this nine week stretch no buys nine straight weeks eight straight weeks or at least eight straight yeah. weeks of the regular season and then their conference championship game boom well, and, and then no the, other part, the other part of that, too, though, is what's unique about the Big Ten, right, is if someone tests positive, it's 21 days they're quarantined. 
Oh, really? I so, see. I didn't even see that, man. And I don't think that's changed. I know what, when they released that, that was one of the things was their testing protocols were a huge part of it. And then also, um, if you were, if you test positive and I didn't see any verbiage on it about like contact tracing, uh-huh. um, as we've kind of talked through with what Notre Dame's doing. Um, but if you do test, po- that's three weeks out of an eight week season. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, and depending it's, it's on crazy. how many guys you have, because Charlotte... If one test positive, yeah, you could have multiples. Yeah, Charlotte was supposed to play North Carolina tomorrow, but they can't field an offensive line, so that's they're, they're not playing tomorrow. So again, you know, depending on who it is, what position group, if you've got a whole position group that gets hit, that's that's a big deal when you're talking you're about a three-week stretch. Yeah, you are. You, yeah, no doubt. All right, so the Big Ten's coming back. We'll, uh, we've got more than a month to get ready for that, about five weeks or so. They'll be coming back. In the meantime, Notre Dame is getting ready for Game 2 after beating Duke 27-13 to last week. Slow start by the offense, 3-3 three, three and outs in the first quarter. Brian Kelly got a little defensive. Our friend Tyler James asked him about the slow start, and here's what BK had to say. Um. And, and I don't know if Tyler knows this, but we hadn't played spring ball or we didn't play in December. If he was expecting that we were going to come out like a shiny new car, um, he's he's been reading uh, too much uh, Internet chatter. Uh, look, it's... It's difficult to duplicate game-like speed when you haven't had that uh, for such a long time. So my expectations is that it was going to be uh, a process and that we just had to be patient. And you saw we were patient. Um, we, we, we stuck with what we were doing and then we had to make some adjustments at halftime. And I thought we... We look like the team we should have in the second half after we made some adjustments and settled into some things. And I thought I thought we took took control of the game in the second half. So Brian Kelly didn't like the question, you know, because the the question was essentially to what do you attribute the slow start? And they had three three and outs in the first quarter. Almost had another three and out before the fake punt finally gave him a little bit of a spark later on. But uh, nine plays, twelve yards at one point. Uh, the first six carries minus five yards. Duke had 151 yards to Notre Dame's seven in the first quarter. So, Evan, is is rust a legitimate reason for the, the, the struggles in the first quarter early in the game? I hate to say it, Sean, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's going to play into it. Um, you know, I think it's easier on the defensive side to be ahead of the game. You know, when okay. you haven't when you haven't played in so long. In the example we've used, I think I used last week, was you know when it comes to um, baseball, is usually the pitchers are ahead of the hitters early mm-hmm. on in the season, um, and now you take away. Uh, spring ball, you know, you take away um, really the summer months, and then certainly not know, us not knowing how much contact, how much live they did during fall camp. It's so hard to simulate game speed. I mean, you you can't simulate game speed. I mean, you try in practice. You know, if, if that's going maybe you know ones versus ones um, as much as possible, but it's still. You're not amped up, and even though there weren't a ton of fans in the stands, it's you're finally playing a game. Um, so I, I think that it's it's frustrating, right, Sean? And 
as, as you and I watch the game, it's like, yeah, why isn't Notre Dame's offense? You look on the you <laughs> doing look anything. On, yeah, you look on paper and you're like, you've got a guy who's a three year starter. Um, you've got a, a veteran offensive line. Why aren't they just at will moving down the field and scoring exactly. touchdowns every possession? And and I think that you know maybe I was a little naive even last you know last uh, last week when we talked about how we thought this game would go was not really taking into account that there might be a little bit of that now. I still think they should have played better, Sean. Right? I, I mean, yeah. I, I do. Um, and yeah, and that's and that's you know, it's it's one thing to look a little clunky and slow, but three straight three and outs to start things, you, you know. And, and again, you're out gained 151 to seven. So you can apply all those things that you just said to your offense, but the other offense was able to pick up 150 yards. Well, you know, see, they were all, they were at least doing something out there, right? All, all I got to say is I'm glad that I, I wasn't liking any message boards or paying attention to like Twitter because I'm sure that Brian, you know, Brian Kelly should have been fired after the first half, and Ian Book <laughs> probably should have been benched. You know, let's uh-huh. use one of those backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I liked hearing you know that Kelly. Uh, use the word patience, right? Like, you know, they, they did. I don't think they felt like they weren't in, in control of the football game. It was they needed to get some things ironed out. Um, you know, granted, their defense, I think, again, is going to be one of those defenses where, I mean, if Notre Dame's offense can score more than 20 points, they're probably going to be in a pretty good position for this entire season. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a great thing to see. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the, the pieces are there on the offensive side to go out there and, and dominate teams at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they didn't do that. They got things, I, I think, under control, as Kelly said, in the second half. Um, th- this is going to be a different football team, I think, when we talk three weeks from now. Um, I think you're going to see improvement every week. All right, and uh, we, will, uh, we will see tomorrow what it looks like because you know, I think that that's – I'm willing to take all those things – you know, to, to, to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Because, like, when you look, there were other teams that it, it, it varied. It was, it was across the board. North Carolina had a really clunky first half themselves against Syracuse, and then they end up blowing Syracuse out. So, I mean, the, the Clemson didn't necessarily start very slow against Wake Forest. They didn't look like they had any, you know. So it was, it was, it was different in different places. Notre Dame did outgain Duke 434 to 158 after that slow start. So, you know, they did get it figured out. So we'll see tomorrow kind of what kind of progress has been made, I guess, because Brian Kelly was saying just this week that they've had some really good practices. Now it's it's about applying that to a competitive situation and, and making it happen there. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk specifically about Ian Book's performance, the receivers, kind of how that goes together, and what Notre Dame can do to uh, to kind of have, I guess, a more cohesive look starting tomorrow when they take on the South Florida Bulls. With Evan Sharpley, Sean Styers, Leprechaun Lunch with Sean and Sharpley, presented by Bud Light Seltzer on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Sean and Sharpley in the Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Presented as always by Bud Light Seltzer, distributed locally by United Beverage Company. We've got Notre Dame and South Florida coming up tomorrow on what is going to be a sunny but chilly day at Notre Dame Stadium. It looks like it's going to be fairly similar to today. 
Chilly start for the Notre Dame offense last week. Ian Book, 19 of 31, 263 yards, one touchdown, one interception, sacked three times. The second interception was taken away by an offsides penalty. Always hard to tell, you know, like you, know, you talk about a free play. Did he just kind of put it up or, or what? But in any case, it, it terrible was... Terrible throw. It was a terrible throw. <laughs> terrible throw. <laughs> terrible throw, says Evan Sharpley. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how does Brian Kelly evaluate Ian Book's performance? Let's hear what the head coach has to say. Um, I thought it was up and down. Um, I, I think, you know, Ian made some really nice plays for us. What I said to Ian on the sideline was that he's got to make some of the easy plays. You know, the, the layups, if you will. You know, he, he missed a, a screen and, and he missed an easy drive route. Uh, but he did some really good things, too. And again, you got to understand, uh, uh, no spring ball. And let, let me just go over how many new players that he is blending into this offense, whether it's Mike Mayer, you know, Tommy Trumbull getting a, Trumbull a, getting a, a bigger a, role, a bigger uh, role. Uh, Joe Wilkins, <laughs> Ben Skoranek, uh, Javon McKinley, Ke- uh, you know, Lawrence Keyes, all the backs. Um, you know, Ian Book has got a whole new offensive uh, group of skill players around him, and, and he's still, you know, uh, working through that process. So it's not in a, in a situation where he knows exactly where they're going to be. He will. And, and uh, so I told him, look, don't expect that that happens overnight, but make the easy plays. And, you know, at times, you know, Ian wants to be uh, great and he, he can't be great yet because those guys are young and, and they need some more time. So just make some of those easy plays and, and he'll be fine. Okay, so we'll talk about the receivers and, and kind of their impact on this. But the, the things that Ian Book could control, yeah, I mean, we heard some of that. You know, his pocket presence wasn't great. Happy feet, again, threw off his back foot, did some of the stuff that, you know, the touch wasn't always there. What, what did you see, Evan, when you looked at Ian Book last week? Well, he, he made me a liar, right? I said that his experience was going to trump the inexperience at the wide receiver position. And here we have Brian Kelly kind of uh, talking about, you know, a new cast of players at the tight end position and, and certainly at wide receiver too. I mean, I think it'll get better. You know, my expectations, I think, were a little bit higher. And I, I would assume most other, um, you know, viewers and fans would have thought the same thing. Um, so and it's right, you know. Kelly said he was up and down. He was, you know. He did some good things. He did some things that you, you don't want to see. I think that'll get, you know, that'll get better. Um, you know what? What I want to, what I want this offense to do with Ian Book, and now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and kind of looking back at the game and seeing how well, you know, Kyron Williams broke out and you know was able to rush for a hundred yards is. Mm-hmm develop and use as much play action as you can for Ian Book. It seems like, you know, when he's in rhythm, especially out of play fakes, he's at his best. Um, you know, when he has straight dropbacks, uh, you know, out of gun, it, it, he seems to eject out of the pocket a little early, whether it's perceived pressure actually is pressure, because he was pressured on quite a few plays right. um, in, in game one against Duke. But at the same time, I think there's still, um, you know, the perception is that he's getting out of the pocket a little bit too soon and maybe not, you know, trusting um, that he can make throws in, in tight spaces, even if the pocket is starting to collapse. And he does have that ability. Um, so I think what I'd like to see now that, you know, that, that run, uh, run game 
you have a guy who has a lot of confidence right now after you know a breakout game in game one is build off of that success and go as much play action as possible, whether that's play action in the pocket or that's play action move the pocket. I think that he excels in having uh, you know more of a zone read pass RPO style type of option when he's throwing um, versus just a straight drop. Yeah, um, and that's just kind of what I've seen over his career when he man when he's in rhythm. I mean he he rips it with the best of them. He spins it with the best of them. Um, and and when he's not when he's you know when he's out of that pocket a little bit too soon, I think he gives up that ability. So that's what I'd like to see here in game two is more play action for him and, and let him settle in. Uh, but you could tell he was definitely amped up to start. Um, and, and again, I, I think he'll I think he'll continue to get better um, as as the season progresses. But I mean, I'm not going to hedge my bets. I said that last year too, right? And he he did struggle against some of the better competition. But the way this schedule plays out, Sean, I I think that there's definitely there's definitely a lot of success throwing the football down the field that can be had by Ian Book as we move forward. I mean, the other side of it was especially early on. Duke did seem to to load the box, and they really said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take away or you know do our best to take away the run." They did early on and make Ian Book have to beat us with his arm, and that game plan seemed to work. And then, of course, the counterpunch became when they started hitting some more of the screen passes and stuff like that. And and we saw what Ian Book could do because throws of ten plus yards downfield, only nine. He was five and nine for sixty-two yards. The you know four out of nine of of ten plus yards. A lot of those yardage came on the screen passes, but I would have to think that that also kind of plays into some of the stuff that you were talking about with you know, the the play action, play action boot, you know, some of those different things. They started hitting them with some misdirection instead of just straight up, and it really seemed, you know, not seemed, it, it did. It got him going. It got the offense going as well. Yeah, and, and who's, you know, who's going to be a, a Chase Claypool-type player where, you know, Book's going to have confidence in throwing some of those 50-50 balls and and guys going up and making plays. You know, Brayden Lindsey didn't play with a hamstring. We're hoping, you know, that he's going to play this week. Javon McKinley, you know, no catches this last week. We thought maybe he was going to be a guy. Um, you know, some of those back shoulder throws that Book and Claypool had connected on, on that, you know, 12 to 20-yard range um, where you're picking up some bigger chunks. We didn't really see that last week. So, you know, I, I think for, you know, for Book's confidence and certainly for this offense to stretch defenses out a little bit more you know that's an aspect that we're going to need to pay attention to in the coming weeks well and and so that as brian kelly said there is a whole new cast of characters out there but well i don't want to say whole new because javon mckinley he saw time last year lawrence key saw time last year joe wilkins has at least been there in practice we didn't see brayden Lindsay obviously because of the injury last week they don't have that claypool kind of guy and of course two nights later we saw on monday night football what chase claypool can do going up and getting it even last year though i mean going into the season we didn't i don't think i mean we all saw what claypool could do in practice we knew his physical ability i mean but i think he still went out there and don't take that shattered yeah yeah no shattered expectations on going out there and and actually you know making big plays Um, so who's that going to be this year because you're right these are guys that are they've been in the program 
now they're getting opportunities. They got to make make sure that they seize those opportunities. Yeah, and that's uh, to, to me. Is it less about okay? You've got new receivers out there because Avery Davis is Avery, yeah Avery Davis is a new guy as well. And it's a guy who's bounced around to all these positions. He just moved to slot receiver in the spring, and and look what he did. I mean, one the way he bodied up the defensive back and and went and got that ball. I mean, you wouldn't know that this is a guy who's who came to Notre Dame. As a quarterback, but two, is it more about book just having the confidence you know, to stay in the pocket and not necessarily lock on, but but find the guy and just having the confidence to trust his receiver in a situation like that, make the throw, you know, essentially be able to to throw a guy opener or throw the ball and you know have the faith that not that a guy is going to do Chase Claypool stuff all the time, but but that his receivers will help him out. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. He's got to do. I mean, he's got to, um, and and that's a you know at the quarterback position, that's kind of a uh, a switch that you have to flip and and have in, in developing that confidence. And granted, Sean, we haven't had as much. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't been able to see as much in practice what that has looked like as far as development. He may still be holding back a little bit and saying, okay, I'm going to make sure this guy actually is open before I throw it, but he's going to he's going to have to get past that yeah. and trust his skill set and say, okay, you know, I'm doing my job by throwing it when he's getting out of his break. He may not be open when I see him, but I'm going to trust the fact that he is. And, and also, too, the concepts that they're calling. You know, whatever play Tommy Reese is calling is to, you know, go through what that progression read is or if it's a coverage read, same type of thing as I know I'm going from, you know, this guy to this guy to this guy or if coverage dictates I'm here um, is, is being able – I mean, he's been in the offense long enough. He should know it at this point. So it really shouldn't matter. Um, you know, it really shouldn't matter who's out there. You want guys that can create separation and win at the line of scrimmage. But even if you're not getting that, it's, okay, we have a successful offense. I trust in this system. I've got to go through my progression. Um, and worst case scenario, you dump it down to your running back and let him make a play in space. Yeah, because, I, I mean, Joe Wilkins hadn't been in the entire first half, and then with 50 seconds left, he gets the first catch for a receiver and ends up having the most catches for a receiver in the game. I mean, not huge numbers, but four for 39 yards, and three of the catches came on that drive, and it was you know kind of about maybe maybe less think, more rhythm a, a little bit. I, I, I guess my biggest thing, Evan, it, are, are our expectation, were our expectations for Ian Book right out of the gate too high? slash dot 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 <laughs> I, guess. I like the slash color that was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> were um, the expectations just too high or or you know I don't this is a third year starting quarterback so yeah. I think we all just expected to see something different last week I don't think it was unwarranted to have those expectations I mean that's where I was sitting too um, you asked me what I thought I should see for me in book in week one when I say like 25 or 30 for yeah. 300 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns, 50 rushing yards. and a, Nothing you know, special. Just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, that, you know, that we've seen what he's capable of. So that expectation is you expect to see that every week. Maybe that's not realistic, you know, given the circumstances, possibly the new supporting cast. Um but I think it's, you know, I think that that's still there. How many times did we talk last year about have we seen Ian Book's ceiling? And I think I've said, yeah, we probably have, but it's pretty good. You know, if he completes 70% of his passes and is throwing around 
275 to 300 yards a game and a few touchdown passes and also rushing the ball, you know, effectively, that's pretty dang good. Um, you know, I, th- I think that that's probably what most fans were. And also, too, the slow start start didn't help yeah. uh, by any means. I think that most people were probably soured right off the gate. Uh, you still look at what he did, and it wasn't a poor game. There were some there were some things that he did well, some some areas that they can uh, you know coach up and get better. But um, the slow start, I think, probably soured a lot of people in saying, "Well, you know, let's who's next up? Let's get somebody else in there." See, and and, and to me, it, it you know. It looked more like just a continuation of last year than the start of a, an, an, a you know a year. Now, granted, it was a very unusual off season. I get that, but nobody got spring practice. Everyone you know was dealing with that kind of stuff. But it, it looked more like a continuation, just because. How many times did we see that last year, where it was either three and out or a touchdown drive? There was no, there there was hardly any middle ground, and that's what it kind of seemed like out of the gate. But what gave the Irish the offensive spark? Well, the punter, of course. Jay Bramblett in the second quarter. Notre Dame's about to punt for a fourth straight time to open the game. And then, fake punt. Blackwell's back on his 36. It's a fake. Bramlett keeps it himself across the 15. 20 cuts it back across the 30. First down and then some. Goes down on the near hash at the 35-yard line. Jay Bramlett, as soon as he caught the snap, Took off around the left side, cut back to the middle of the field, picks up 15 on fourth down and eight. My thought process was, I hope the heck it works. That that was my my first thought process. Um, It was there. We saw it on film. We felt like it was there. It was one of those that you needed. You know, Jay's a very good athlete, and you saw that he had to cut back, you know, to make that, you know, first down. But... Felt very confident that was that he was going to get an opportunity to convert that. So, and we were kind of you know we needed a little bit of momentum, and so I just felt like it was the right time to to make the call. Paul Burmeister, of course, with the call on the Notre Dame Radio Network is heard here on WSBT. I still like the "Wow" by Ryan Harris, <laughs> his his analyst. He was uh, he was digging it. What'd you think about? The call there. Yeah, those those offensive linemen, man, they sure get fired up, huh? Ryan Harris. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as a coach too. I mean, Brian Kelly saying, "Oh, you know, I, I sure hope this works, man. You do, <laughs> yeah." But it was big. It was big, and you know, you look for those swings in momentum during the game that you know can get your team fired up, and then you have to capitalize on it. Notre Dame was able to do that, and uh, Notre Dame went on. To win, of course, twenty-seven to thirteen, and got South Florida coming up tomorrow. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll hit a little bit of tomorrow's game. We haven't talked about Kyron Williams yet, so we'll do that when we return as well. Twelve forty-five. He's Evan Sharpley. I'm Sean Styers. Leprechaun lunch with Sean and Sharpley. Sports Radio ninety-six one WSBT. Plenty of time. Play clock at twelve. Waits for the snap. There it is. Hand off right up the middle to Williams. Bounces out to the left side across the 20. He has room across the 10. Five. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Nice block by senior wide receiver Javon McKinley downfield. Yeah. It was intended to go up the middle to Williams. Instinctively bounced it out to his left and then sprinted to the end zone. 
Paul Burmeister again with a call is heard on the Notre Dame Radio Network here on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And we've got the game kicking off at 2.30 tomorrow as well. Leprechaun Lunch with Sean and Sharply presented by Bud Light Seltzer, distributed by United Beverage Company, reminding you to stay safe as we get back on track. Also by Legacy Heating and Air. Trust Legacy Heating and Air for all your heating, cooling, and now plumbing needs. Visit them at Legacy Heating and Air Inc. Dot com. With Evan Sharpley, Sean Styers, Kyron Williams, the breakout star last week, 19 carries, 112 yards, 26 of them coming on that touchdown run you just heard, two touchdown runs, and also caught a pair of passes along of 75, two catches, 93 yards, named the ACC Player of the Week. What would you think of the uh, Kyron Williams debut, Evan Sharpley. What I said last week, I said he was going to be my breakout player on the offense this year, and I'll tell you what, after game one, I'm looking pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was good to see. I mean, you know, he's... you, that's what you want from a back, right? You want a guy who is going to run uh, downhill. Uh, I think there's a lot of no-nonsense about him. Puts his foot in the ground and makes cut. You know, trust that cut. Um, also did a nice job in, in pass protection. Um, and, and then also catching a, you know, catching a couple passes and um, making, some, you know, making some hay that way, too. So when you have a back that's able to do it on those three, you know, those three aspects, running the ball, um, catching the ball and then in pass protection too, um, it, you, you've got something that's that's great for your offense. They've also got good depth there though too. You know, we I think that we're kind of scratching the surface on um, what the rest of that room can provide too, if needed. Uh, but if if Williams is hot, you'll probably see a lot of him. <laughs> no doubt. Do we need to kind of watch ourselves? You know, before we get our expectations maybe up too high on him now, or do do we keep him up pretty high after seeing what we saw last week? Um, I, I think we should be optimistic. Okay, uh, certainly. Uh, you've you've got an offensive line that, again, what did I say on the passing side too? Is they should own the the, the line of scrimmage on a weekly basis. So uh, that bodes well for a guy like Williams. Um, but but I don't know. It's it still may be a little too early. You know, is he going to be a hundred yard rusher every week? Uh, I, that talent is there, and um, you know, with an offensive line like that, that's certainly possible. Um, so you know, I'm excited to see his follow up here. You know, you've shown us what you can do in week one. Um, you're playing a team that you should be able to do the same or more to. Now let's go do that. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and, and I think that that's the expectation for sure. And what I really like is is the versatility, not just him, Chris Tyree as well. Just the versatility and Jafar Armstrong for that matter, because Jafar had a couple of catches last week to not just run it, but to be able to catch it. And again, we kind of saw it. And Brian Kelly was talking about those screen passes this week and how that's kind of the the art and the science and and knowing you know it's not like you just go out and call a bunch of screen passes all the time it's when to hit a team with a screen pass the timing of it that is so important as well and and duke had a couple really good defensive ends pinning their ears getting upfield a little bit and and they they notre dame finally came with that counter punch to kind of negate some of that rush and and really made duke pay a few times with that aspect of the game yeah it's a, it's a great way to to slow down pressure you know you get frustrated 
Um, if you're a defensive end and the ball's out, you know, by your third step upfield on a screen pass. So, you know, quick quick routes and then screen passes are a great way to slow down um, teams who want to load the box and put pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, another aspect I think we may see a little bit more of as the season progresses is some, um, you know, sets with multiple running backs. Um, they had some success, you know, with two with yeah. backs in the backfield. I really like that look. I do too. Uh, and, and especially too, Sean, if they're able, if these guys are able to catch the football, um, if that's something that that's part of, um, you know, this group, whether it's Jafar Armstrong or uh, Kyron Williams or whoever else may be out there, you know, if that's part, if that's a wrinkle of, of what their, you know, what, what their skill set allows is to catch the football out of the backfield, then going some two back sets, you know, you could motion them out or, you know, you could go play action and do a bootleg and, you know, now your flat receiver is the running back. So I think there's some unique things that they're able to do just with the depth and versatility that that whole running back room brings. Got about three and a half minutes. We haven't talked about the defense yet. I wanted to do some letter grades. So let's just start with the defense uh, holding a Duke to 13 points. What did you, what kind of grade do you give the defense for their effort last week? I mean, I'm in that B plus a minus range. Um, you know, they do a good job of getting off the field when they have to and limiting the big plays. Uh, again, I think that Clark Lee is going to have this defense dialed in um, where you're looking at, you know, I don't know, you know, 14 to 20 points a game. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we, we kept talking, you know, are they were they able to build off of last year and, and have a, a scoring defense that allowed even fewer points? And I thought that that was pretty tough. Um, but, but they may be in that same ballpark, which, again, helps the offense out so much. So they did a lot of good things. Um, I like kind of their plug and play. I'm I'm happy to hear that Kyle Hamilton is not out for the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I wouldn't expect him to play this week, and I, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't play him. Um, but they've got some guys, too, that it, it'll be a good opportunity for them to get in there and play while he's not in. Yeah, I agree, and I, I, I was in the A-minus range for the defense. and I, I mean, they hit a big pass play of 55 yards. It ended up being 21% of their passing yards on the one play. How about the corners? What would you think about that group? Yeah, I'm still kind of in that B plus range. Um, You know, it was it was good to see some new faces out there. I think Brian Kelly said he wanted to get some more guys playing time um, at the corner position, but they've done a good job in recruiting. Um, Obviously, bringing in a grad transfer too, where um, the physical traits—not just the traits that Kelly talks about as far as winning is concerned, but some physical traits with length and and physicality. um, I think you're seeing both at the safety position and at the corner position too i'm the same b plus now let's go to the offensive line what's your grade for that group um i was i i think i'm a being an offensive player i'm probably a little more critical i guess you know i was kind of more <laughs> in that b b minus range where um i thought they should have taken control of the game a little bit earlier um you know as well in control in the second half i don't think too many people had doubts about it but the offense as a whole i was kind of in that b minus range um and I think probably, you know, Ian Book and even the receivers probably close to that, you know, C plus, B minus. They're, they're, they definitely can, can perform much better. Yeah. All right. We've got about 30 seconds here. I was, about, I was a little bit lower, C plus, just because of the start, you know, bigger expectations for that group. Wide receivers, last letter grade today. I was at C plus for me. 
Uh, and I had him at a C, so I'm I'm okay. a little bit lower yeah. for you. I mean, you got to do better than seven catches for 74 yards. They got to yeah, figure you, some stuff out. That's that's for sure. Yep. And, but but again, it's it's always hard to separate the receivers from the quarterback because they they go so they hand in hand. You know. Yeah, so do. yeah, I mean, at least give McKinley the fact that you know he had that block on the touchdown run. So I, I think they'll get better. We'll see. We'll see the better of that group coming forward. I agree. For Evan Sharpley, for our studio producer, Jess Hollis, I'm Sean Steyers. Again, Notre Dame football, 2.30 kickoff tomorrow here on WSBT. Talk to you next week, Evan. WSBT South Bend.